0: Good to see you tonight. We're in the book of Colossians. I don't know if you, uh, some of you I know come to the uh, Sunday weekend service, Saturday or Sunday, and Pastor Mike's going through the book of Ephesians. And uh, he's uh, started and he's kind of made a big deal out of this one section there. It's the longest verse or longest sentence in the New Testament. And so sort of been bringing that up pretty regularly, almost bragging about it like he wrote it, you know, longest, longest sentence in the New Testament. And so I'm going to give you the second longest sentence in the New Testament tonight. Okay, not the longest, but second. And it's in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. So let me read it to you. This is all one sentence. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Period. One sentence. Boy, Paul was kind of got excited about those long sentences. He usually only does that at the beginning of the books. And so almost every book he writes, he gets kind of carried away with his intro and goes for a uh, a while. So long sentence, but we're just going to look at one word right in the middle of it. And a little trivia question, you're going to get this one right because you can kind of tell from the notes, but just for fun, Paul said there's three words that are the most important words in the Greek language, three words, biggies, most important, and they are faith, love, and hope, and the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, he says that. Number one in your notes, hope is listed by the Apostle Paul as one of the big three qualities in the Christian life. One of the big three, as he mentions it in 1 uh, Corinthians 13. Now these three, and he states that as like this is the, uh, the biggest, these are the most important words that there are. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, but now faith, hope, love. Abide these, uh, uh, abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so there they are, love and faith and hope. And if you were to go through the New Testament or just the writings of Paul and count every time he uses the word faith, you'd see it used a lot. He liked the word. How about the word love? He liked that word too. How about the word hope? Not as much, Uh, but still used quite a bit. Now, if we were to go back and read this passage, this longest sentence in the book of Colossians, second longest verse, uh, a sentence in the New Testament, we would see that in this passage, both faith and love and hope are all used. uh, And they're sort of connected in this passage. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Number two, not much is made of hope in Christian teaching today because the modern meaning tends to be Modern meaning tends to be, I hope that I get to go fishing. I don't know for sure. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I guess we'll just wait and see. So we use the word hope like hope. We don't see it as a, the way it's used in the New Testament, much, much different In your notes, number three, the biblical definition of hope is a positive expectation of a future event. A positive expectation of a future event. Now, the uh, it can be used, and it is in a couple places, similar to what we would do with it. I hope maybe it will, maybe it won't. Nobody knows for sure, but I'd sure like it if it did. That's used a few places. Now, the way you can tell the difference between this word that we're talking about tonight, a positive expectation of a future event, is that it will have what's called a definite article in front of the word hope. Definite article, we would translate the. It's not just hope, it's the hope. The hope is a definite, positive event in the future that is going to happen, no doubt about it. And so that's the word that most often is used by the Apostle Paul or the way it's used is the hope, not just hope in general. Number four, hope was used almost exclusively of eternal life with God as that positive for sure future event. So when you read in the New Testament uh, the writings of Paul and uh, you see the, the hope, the hope, it's talking about entering into Glory entering into the presence of God, whether that's by His coming or or by our death. Um, And so that's the hope that we all have, a positive expectation of a future event, of going into the presence of God. Titus 1-2, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. The hope of eternal life. Psalm 71-5, For you are my hope, Oh, Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. So the hope is an event in the future that we focus on. And when we focus on the hope, what happens is we develop a quality in us, a character trait that is also called hope. Hope is in us. We have a high level of hope because we're focused on the hope. The word faith is also used in the New Testament with the on the front, definite article, when the phrase the faith is used is talking about the Bible, the Word of God. It's the basis for our faith, the faith. So when you read the Word of God, Romans 10, 17 says, faith inside me, inside you, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. So we grow in faith by focusing on the faith, and we grow in hope, inside of us by focusing on the hope, that is that positive expectation of entering into glory, into heaven. Number five, hope comes as a result of choosing to set our, mind, set our mind on eternity in heaven using our sanctified imagination. Setting our mind, often the word fix is used, fix your mind, fix your thoughts. And so we fix our thoughts, fix our minds on that event in the future that's coming. I'm going fishing Friday, I hope, on the Celeste River for steelhead. I'm going to catch 18, I hope. I have been thinking about Friday most of the day, Uh, most of yesterday, most of the day before. I've got it on my calendar. I'm looking forward to it. I'm and as I'm thinking about Friday, because I have fished this stretch of river number of times before, I've visualized certain spots that we're at. The cast, the bobber drift, the bobber going down, boop, setting the hook, fish jumping. Ah, replay it of my head over and over and over. It's, uh, and because I do it as much as I do, I have this wild imagination. It's in vivid color. And the fish are always in the vicinity of 20 to 25 pounds, monster fish. And I land every one of them expertly. You can do anything in your mind, and I can do it perfectly as I have this sanctified imagination. You ever visualize what heaven will be like? Uh, Ever wonder what it's going to look like, what it's going to smell like, what it's going to feel? You ever wonder how you're going to think, how sharp your brain's going to be? Ever wonder how you're gonna get from here to there? Are we gonna walk normal or are we gonna go whoop fly? Jump I sort of play all that through. I don't know how you're gonna get from one spot to the next, but I'm just gonna just say eh, there I am. is gonna go this like the blink of an eye. This on the basis of thinking. And whenever I ache, I've had sort of a sore back. Tailbone here the last week and whenever things get to aching, I think, oh, wow, I can't wait to get to heaven. I get my glorified body. It will never hurt again, never, ever. And I will be strong and skinny and buff, and I'm going to sing better than Randy, and, uh, and I'm going to have more hair than James. And uh, it's my imagination. I can make it any way I want. So I fix my mind on it. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, that means if you're a Christian headed for heaven, keep seeking, keep seeking the things above. What does that mean, seeking the things above? That means wanting, desiring, imagining. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your mind, that is, choose to think. Set your mind in the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Not on the things that are on the earth. So today, you thought all day long, what percentage of your thinking was on the things of heaven or the things of the earth? I would guess that very little was about heaven. Most of it was about this earth. But Paul says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So that's a choice that you make. We choose to set our mind or to think about certain things. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Number six, many have set their hope for their future security on money. Their future is based on income in the future. And if they think that maybe the stock market will go bad or something go bad, their future is insecure, then they get anxious and worry because their future is based on money. Their hope is on uh, possessions. First Timothy 6.17 instruct those, this is Paul writing to a pastor, and he says, now pastor this is what you need to preach on instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope, fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy so Paul instructed me to instruct you not to fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. You got it? Okay, I did my part. Number seven, basically the more we think about eternal de- our eternal destiny, the more hope we will have. So, I got on the scale this morning. Uh-oh. I haven't exercised since Sunday when I had my fall, and it's... Uh, I burn a lot of calories when I exercise, and I haven't reduced my eating in accordance with the amount of exercise i am not been getting, so uh, I've gained a couple of pounds. So how much hope do you have as a character trait, as a quality? How much hope do you now have? Now, that's an easy question to answer. All you do is ask yourself, how much do I fear death? Um, You know, this COVID thing that's been going around for a year, controlling our culture. One of the major aspects of what's happening in our culture is this sort of Fear of death, fear of getting sick, Uh, it's consumed many people. It's that fear that the media has used to control and to hype and to create all kinds of things. Now, if there was zero fear of death in the audience to which was being addressed, all the stuff that's been done would be zero, effective, wouldn't produce anything. So if you grow in hope, your inner trait, quality, characteristic of hope gets stronger and stronger and stronger, what happens is you want to be in heaven rather than here. Paul says at least three different places in the New Testament, I would rather be in heaven than here. I would rather be in heaven than here, but it's a good thing for me to be here because I can preach to you. That was the only reason why Paul wanted to stick around. I would rather be in the presence of the Lord than be at home in the body. He said that repeatedly. Uh, that was a genuine feeling, quality, trait that he had. So very, very few, po- a few people that live in our culture are even close to that. We worry, we fret about uh, when we get uh, uh, something that could be cancer. Oh, oh! I wonder if it's cancer. Not very many people say, hallelujah, maybe I got cancer. Cool. Yeah, can't wait. So we live responsibly here, but we're always looking at the finish line. We're always looking at the day we get to enter into glory, get our new body, get away from all this stuff that's going on now. Who would want to stay here in their right mind anyway? you had the choice but very few people have enough hope to think about heaven as an advantage over life we fear death we don't anticipate it Uh, we dread it we don't look forward to it and uh, but if we would choose to set our mind to fix our mind on heaven imagine what it's like repeatedly over and over as a regular part of our daily thinking Uh, Then hope would grow in us, and then our fear of death would disappear. Our anxiety over the future would go away. Number eight, God created our brains, and he knows what information to feed them. So they work the best as a friend and not as an enemy. A brain that is trained to think about heaven will be healthy. Your mind, you train it. You choose to fix your thinking on certain things. Now, if you just let it go, do whatever it wants, you never really choose to think about anything. It's going to think about... uh, The things of the world, the things your eyes see, the things your ears hear, uh, your flesh is going to, it won't think very much that's spiritual. If you're going to think about God, you have to choose to. Your brain isn't going to naturally go there. If you're going to think about heaven, you have to choose to. Your brain isn't going to go there on its own. And so as you train your own brain to think spiritual thoughts, as you set your thinking on the things above rather than on the things of this earth, then you develop a healthy brain, a healthy mind. Uh, we are the result of what we think about predominantly, and so we choose to do that. Number nine, hope is like a supernatural safety harness In line. We are always safe and secure no matter what happens. My brother and his wife run Jonah Ministries up in Trout Lake, Washington. It's a Christian camp. It, they bought the school that I graduated from when they condemned it and built a new one. They bought the old school in the grounds. They turned it into a camp. And near there, there was a, some woods, and they put in this high ropes course. And I don't know if you're familiar with a high ropes course. Uh, you climb up this ladder to about a million feet in the air, uh, it seems like, when you get up there. And it's got a little platform about one inch square, uh, it seems like it and you get up there on this little platform and then there is they that's different but it goes from tree to tree to tree to tree to tree one of them is two ropes with two by fours in between and you step on the two by fours and you walk across from platform to platform another one is two ropes and you walk on the two ropes and another one is a a a big uh, cargo net and you hang on the cargo net and you go across the cargo net from one to the other and one of them is just a single 2 by 4 and you walk on the 2 by 4 and the, the platforms are from here oh to the drums apart going all over through the trees. Now I climbed up there. I don't know why but I did and um, one of the trees I think has died because I my fingers went into it I'm sure a couple of inches uh, into the tree. I got up there I was, was so far down. It was scary as all get out. Now one of the things that is over each of the things is a cable from tree to tree, a nice strong cable, and you have a harness on, and you have a rope that goes from the harness up to the cable that slides along as you're going along this course. Now, I don't know if you've ever fallen with the harness. If you haven't, you think that maybe it might hang you or be painful or flip you upside down. You don't really think that's a good thing. So I'm up there Obviously, scared to death, hanging on, hugging the tree, trying to get from one spot to the next, thinking, I could be up here till I die. This is going to take forever to go through this course, but i got to maintain my macho image so I can't scream or cry. Uh, you know, uh, so my daughter was there, and she said, Dad, just jump off. I said, what are you talking about? Just jump off. I said, why would I do that? So that you've experienced the harness. I said, is it going to hurt? She said, dad, just jump off, you big chicken. (laughs) Oh, man. So I thought, okay. So I sort of slid off. But I'm hanging by my harness with the rope, and I thought, this is not painful. So I climbed back up, and then I jumped off. And the cable has some give to it, and it was amazingly comfortable with no problem whatsoever. Do you know what all of a sudden I gained? Man, I charged across that two by four like nobody's business. I wasn't afraid of falling. Why? No big deal if I did. I went to the next platform. Next one was just two little ropes, skinny ropes. I mean, who! I just walked across those things like I was Superman. I went all the way around through the whole course. You wouldn't have thought I was a, at the time a 65-year-old man with no balance. Ha! Huh, piece of cake. What was the difference? No fear of falling. Take away the fear of falling. It was no problem whatsoever. So we live as people with a fear of dying. It's the seedbed of all fear. And the devil uses that as a stick on us all day long. He reminds us of that daily. And so we have a culture... We wear seatbelts so we won't die. We have uh, airbags that come out so we won't die. We got vaccines so we won't die. I mean, we have so many things in our life that are protecting us from death and just keep adding to the list so that we will live forever. We're controlled by our fear of death. And if you take that away and there's zero... It's amazing how confident we live our life Uh, and that's what hope is when you have hope in you as a character trait and it's clear up to your eyeballs then you live life with courage with victory because there's zero fear of death what's the worst worst thing that can happen in any situation in life lose your job what's the worst thing that can happen you starve to death and die Uh, if you have a car wreck what's the worst thing that can happen you die All of those are promotions. You get to go to heaven. You get a brand new body. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you. You're going to be with me. You're going to be with me with a glorified body in a place that is incomprehensibly full of joy. Hebrews 6:18 So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we who have taken refuge would be would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope the hope the hope set before us take hold of the hope that is set before us This hope we have is an anchor of the soul a hope both sure and steadfast one which enters within the veil that is into the temple of God where God lives where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. The anchor of our soul is in heaven itself, and we take hold of that hope. Number 10, hope is what gives those who are facing persecution and trial strength and endurance. One of the greatest experiences of my life was when I went to a seminar in Salem, and the speaker's name was Joseph Son. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. He was a pastor in Romania under the Soviet rule in a large Baptist church in the capital of the city and they would arrest him and beat him and torture him Uh, and when I was listening to him speak he would describe what they would do to the the torture they would burn him uh, they would pull his fingernails out they would beat him they would whip him they did all kinds of things And and then they would say, now you quit preaching Jesus. And he'd go out the door, and right on the front steps of the police station, he'd preach Jesus. And they'd arrest him and do it again. And they'd turn him loose, and he'd go out, and he just kept preaching Jesus. Finally, they said, all right, we've had enough of this stuff. We're going to kill you. And he got all excited. He said, oh, thank you, thank you. You're going to give me my greatest victory. Hallelujah. Well, these guys just couldn't handle that. So they went back into this room, and they had a meeting. They came out and said, okay, we're not going to give you your greatest victory. We're just going to kick you out of the country. That's why he was here in the U.S., and I got to hear him speak. And I'm listening to him talking. and I think, wow, this guy's amazing. And I, I kept, at first, you know how you are, just like some of you are. I sat in the back. But when I got to hear him speak, I thought, i got to get close to this guy. I think if I get close enough, I'll catch some of what he's got. It was just, he was just an incredibly amazing, godly, spiritual individual um, And so I got right up in the front row and listened to him speak. And I thought, how does a person get to be like he is? I mean, he had zero fear of torture, of pain, of death. And it gave him absolute courage. He said, kill me, I don't care. I get to go to heaven. And as you read about the martyrs of the early church, that's the way they were as they were uh, thrown to lions, as they were burned at the stake. Uh, they would sing because they were getting ready to see Jesus. Stephen in the book of Acts when he was stoned. Romans 5, 3, not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. We exalt in our tribulations knowing, this is why we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 8, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but also we ourselves, having the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan. I groan regularly and tell Patty I'm just obeying Scripture. We groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. The redemption of our body, that means we get a new glorified body. For in hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly, we eagerly wait for it. Number 11, those that have strong hope are those who love other believers best. There's a number of truths in the Bible that are counterintuitive. They just, uh, Paul put it this way. He said, the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. And uh, this is a truth that we would think, okay, you're thinking a lot about heaven, you're not afraid of death. What's that have to do with loving people? I don't know. But it's true. Let me read to you again the passage I started tonight with Colossians 1, 3 through 8, this one long sentence. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith, your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love which you have for all the saints, because... Because your faith and your love for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The love which you have for all the saints because you have this love because of the hope that you have of going to heaven. Twelve, those that have a strong hope are those who serve the Lord most fervently and bear the most fruit. So the first thing that's going to happen when I step into heaven, I get my glorified body and I see Jesus and I see God and I see all the beauty that's around me is I'm going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and I'm going to be uh, held accountable for the life I've lived here now and I'm going to be recompensed, rewarded for the deeds I've done in the body, whether good or bad. Do you know the average Christian rarely thinks about that event? I think about it every day. Because if you think about going to heaven, get a glorified body... Then you stand before Jesus and you're held accountable. Held accountable. Say that about twelve times in a row see if it doesn't make you nervous. Judgment seat of Christ. So those who think about heaven repeatedly, set their mind on the things above rather than on the things of this earth, they by far outwork, outserve, out produce those who don't. They bear much fruit for God because they know they're going to stand before Jesus. It's foremost in their thinking and give an account of their life. Titus 2.12 instructing us, this is again Paul giving instructions to pastors, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope Instructing us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, godly in the present age. Why? We're looking for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Now we're not saved by good deeds, but we're certainly going to stand before Jesus when we get to heaven with our glorified body and we're going to be held accountable for what we've done and how we've lived and we're going to be rewarded accordingly. And so our hope, that quality in us that goes up and up and up as we think about, set our mind on, focus on uh, our entrance into heaven. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds Choose what you think about. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope. Your hope. There's the word again. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So those who do that will prepare their minds for action, for service, for ministry. 1 Timothy 4.10, for it is for this we labor and strive. We labor and strive because, here's the because again, because we have fixed our hope. Fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men. We labor and strive because we have our mindset set on the day we enter into glory, get our new body, stand before Jesus, and are held accountable for him, uh, by him for how we've lived our life. Psalm one nineteen one sixty six. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. 13, those that have a strong hope are those who grow in maturity to be like Jesus the fastest. So life is about growing in character, becoming like Jesus, because what we are, when we enter into glory, that's who we are. The more like him we are, the more he will enjoy us, the more we will enjoy him. Everything Jesus does in this life is designed to cause us to grow, to become as much like him as possible, so that we will enjoy him and he will enjoy us for eternity. So who grows the fastest? The person who thinks about heaven the most. Let me ask that question and answer it one more time. Who grows the fastest, that is, becomes like Jesus in character as far as the speed at which we grow? The person who thinks about heaven the most because you're motivated, because you recognize that day is coming and you want to be like Jesus when you step into glory. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God. We're children of God because of faith, faith in Him. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, Jesus, when He shows up, we will be like Him. That's talking about our physical bodies. When we see Him with our physical eyes, we'll see Him physically, we will be like Him because we're going to get a glorified body just like His. Because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope, has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. That is, we press on to maturity to become like Jesus in character. 14, those that have a strong hope are those who face their own impending death with joy and courage and the death of their loved ones with strength. Back uh, when we've, I first started started the church, we were meeting up in the grade school gym and had a dozen people come into church and didn't have much income. And so I would milk cows uh, for local dairies. From One of them I milked from midnight till six in the morning, six days a week, and then pastored. And another thing I used to do is I went around to all the funeral homes. Salem and Albany and Lebanon and Corvallis and I said you know if anybody comes in and they have a family member die and they don't have a pastor to do the service uh, here's my card you can tell them to call me. Back then they'd give you 50 bucks for doing a funeral service. Ha! Wow and the deal I had with Patty is that money that I got from funerals I got to spend on hunting and fishing. I didn't take any money out of our general budget for that because we didn't have a whole lot and eight kids you know and so, and so one of my mottos was people are just dying for me to go hunting. I never did say that at a service. (laughs) And though I did it, I didn't enjoy doing it because a lot of those that called weren't believers. And man, they were sad. It wasn't, isn't much in life that is more difficult for the average individual than death, especially death of someone that they're close to. The sorrow, the grieving, all of that, and I'm in the middle of that uh with people and it's just was difficult for me to respond. I didn't know how to respond, what to say often I didn't know who they were, and so he just you know, say something, whatever that seemed to fit. But there was it was sorrow that was unfixable. It was grief that was nothing you could do to change it no matter what you did, no matter what you said it was still real painful um, strong hope they faced their own impending death with joy and courage the death of their loved ones with strength Romans fifteen thirteen. now may the God of hope fill you the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit First Thessalonians 4.13 we do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who are asleep that is those who have died so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope, the hope of salvation, that is, uh, of going to heaven forever. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation, that is, Uh, entrance into heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep here in this life or in heaven we will live together with him therefore encourage one another build up one another just as you also are doing 15 it is intended by God that anytime we go through a trial a physical problem and discouragement I don't know does that ever happen to you a trial an ache fall down, hurt your back, something goes wrong with family, with finances. It's God's intent that every time that happens and discouragement from failure, even disappointments or sadness in relationships that that we would choose at that moment, we would choose as an act of our will to set our mind on eternity with Jesus, that we would choose what we think about in that instance. And we can do that. That's the greatest freedom we have, is to choose what we think about. Psalms 42.5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. That's self-talk. He's talking to himself. Why are you in despair? Hope in God. 16, most Christians tend to go into our flesh's default mode of thinking when trials come. you default mode of thinking that's what you were born with you were wired a certain way from birth by our flesh that's uh, what we inherited all the way back to Adam Uh, and so that's what most people do when trials come they go into this default way of thinking responding to problems in trials Instead of becoming stronger, more loving to others, more useful to God, more like Jesus in character, which God intends to happen when tough times come into our life, Uh, instead they become whiners and useless. Kind of like the way I was up in the tree before I realized that I was secure with that harness. I was scared out of my wits, clinging to the tree and whining, making weird noises. (laughs) The greatest power we have, 17, in life is choosing what we think about most of the time. The greatest power we have in life is choosing what we think about most of the time. If we would do that, but you have to do it, you have to choose. Otherwise, your brain goes into default setting. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence of anything worthy of praise, dwell on or think on these things. That's a choice. Romans 8, 6, the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, It's not even able to do so. Second Corinthians 10:5, we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 3:18, "For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you, even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, who set their mind on earthly things. 2 Corinthians 11:3 I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness your minds your minds your minds will be led astray from the simplicity of purity and devotion to Christ So hope it's one of the big 3 faith love hope hope comes when we think about heaven our glorified body and we think about it Every time there is a trial, every time there is a problem, every time there is a headache, every time there is a disappointment in a relationship, every time somebody lets us down, we think about, ah, I'm going to heaven, and it's not that far away. It's not that far away. One little closing story, though, I'm overdue. Uh, I'm going to go bicycling this summer, and I'm going to be gone uh, for 21 days. Patty's staying home, she doesn't like bicycles. Occasionally, she's gone on many trips when there's in the support vehicle, but she'd rather stay home with her grandkids than go with me on the bicycle trip. So, uh, I'm not very good about texting or phoning. We've kind of got used to these excursions. I'm off hunting, fishing, up Alaska fishing on bicycle trips. So, I usually say, hey, babes, I'll talk to you when I get home. And that works we kind of prefer it rather than a little chit-chat during the day because uh, it uh, makes it it's easier just to, uh, and then come back together again. Now, when I leave on my bicycle trip, I'm coming home on this date. Cool, see you when you get home. We'll have a party. She did not say, oh, you're leaving me for three weeks. I don't think I can stand it. Now she tends to sing the Hallelujah Chorus for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) So why is she not particularly excited? Down? Well, because I'm coming home. It's only three weeks. Not very long. So, uh, we had twins, Hannah and Shelly. And Susanna was born six minutes before Shelly. She Reminds Shelley of that. I'm the oldest. So they're in Patty's womb for nine months. Let's pretend like they're aware of each other's company and they kind of have a good time fellowshipping. So are they going to stay there? No, they're there just to get big enough to come out into this world. Our life is very much like being in our mother's womb. It's designed to make us like Jesus in character. Then we enter into what we were created for. That time compared to this time is incomprehensible. It's nine months in the womb, 70 years living. So Shelley's left behind. Oh, no. It's only six minutes. Then she's born, and they're together. We have this inability to think spiritually, biblically, godly about time and about separation. My mom's in heaven, my dad's in heaven, and it isn't going to be very long before I see them both. And so death becomes an issue because they're gone. Oh, it's only for three weeks. Then you're going to see them. And the cool thing is you're going to have a perfect body. They're going to have a perfect body. No more grumpiness. (laughs) Cool. It's going to be awesome. It's important that we train our mind how to think. Biblically. Not like the world does. Not like our flesh directs us. We ought to be people full of joy. Anticipating that great day. Instead we dread it. Because we let the world... Forces into their way of thinking. We let our flesh control our mind. So, hope is a big word. It's like faith and love. It's a big word, but not many believers have hope. They know what the hope is, but they don't have hope. It's how we think. We choose that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we do have hope. You died for us, Lord Jesus, and given us the gift of eternal life with you. And we're going to enter into glory. We're going to get a new body. And we're going to live there with you forever and ever. And it'll never, ever come to an end. As we live in this life just a little short time, like a blink of an eye, a vapor that's here for a minute and gone, Lord, help us to make the most of our time because the days are evil. Help us to present to you a heart of wisdom um, and to live our life as if it's short. Uh, help us to press on to maturity, to serve uh, with energy, and to, Lord, to love people, all because we have great hope. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.